Twelve and a half minutes past twelve. This is a midday live SFM one oh four to one oh seven. Welcome to your Friday edition. Interesting story here that uh, South Africa's population could rise to sixty eight million by the year twenty thirty which is uh, far more than uh, the 58 million people forecast in the National Development Plan. So we'll be talking about uh, this uh, particular issue, very interesting story, this. And uh, we'll go to uh, Limpopo and uh, look at uh, Madame Lela there uh, and get a sense of what is going on there. We're told security is tight in and around uh, the troubled Madame Lela area in Limpopo. This is thousands of residents are expected to meet at a local stadium to discuss their demand for their own municipality. That's another story that uh, we're looking at right here on uh, Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. All right, uh, four suspects will appear in the Pretoria Magistrates Court today in connection with the murder of uh, two cousins in Deep Sluot on Tuesday. A fifth suspect was arrested early this morning. He will appear in court on Monday. The two cousins, uh, two-year-old Yonelisa Mali and three-year-old Zandele Mali, had been missing since uh, Saturday. Their bodies were found in a communal toilet cubicle. All right, uh, let's uh, see now as PM Kize compiled this report for us. No, Spuriam Kize. All right, we'll be talking to Lila Machnas about this uh, particular issue right now, but uh, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll come back and focus on this story. If you love your sport, join me, Brad Brown, every Saturday and Sunday afternoon for SAFM Sports Special. Right here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. If you're worried about your financial future, thinking about life insurance, saving for retirement, not sure about investing for you and your family, what about your children's education? To answer all your questions, join me, Brian Hirsch, Tuesday morning, 10 o'clock. Just when you think you missed that one conversation in that one show? No, you didn't. Catch it once again on overnights, 12 midnights to 4 a.m. Here yeah, with me, Nayo Pondra, SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. We go back to our top story. This our four suspects uh, will appear in the Pretoria Magistrates Court today in connection with the murder of uh, two cousins in uh, Deepslot on uh, Tuesday. Let's take a listen to this uh, report compiled by Lila Magnus. Police spokesperson Brigadier Neville Malila says the fifth and main suspect was taken by surprise when he was arrested. The first suspect, I think he was uh, totally taken by surprise this morning. Um, we received information from community members late last night at the Alexandra police station. Um, that was after the, um, after the identity was distributed in the community yesterday and also in, in, in the media. Uh, members of the community came to the police station and they've indicated to the police that they know where this person, they've seen this person and they know where he stays. When members of uh, the police went to this house, uh, they found him at the house, it's a family house, and he was arrested. He will appear in court on Monday. Malila says part of the investigation will focus on linking him with other crimes. Now that he's in, in, in custody, we're going to get DNA, DNA from him and that DNA will ultimately be, uh, be put... Uh, the, well, the DNA will be, we will look at the DNA 
um, databases, and we will see if his DNA can be linked to any of the other DNA that is on the databases, and then ultimately our investigators will be able to make a determination if he is linked or if he's sought in any other murders or any other crimes. The four suspects that will appear in court today will face two charges of murder, two charges of kidnapping and two charges of rape. Today the investigators will ask for a remand or postponement of seven days and that is just to, to finalise their investigation. And uh, the suspect arrested this morning will most probably be appearing in court on Monday. All of them are appearing on the same case. And um, on Monday, investigators will request um, the, the judiciary to postpone the case so that all of the suspect and, uh, suspects can appear together. The police earlier issued a reward of 100,000 rand for information that might lead to the arrest of the fifth suspect. There will be an investigation in terms of, uh, of the reward. Remember, there are some of the community members who freely supply information to the police who doesn't necessarily want any money or want their... Um, the information to be known. So um, in this case, investigators will investigate and they will get all the necessary information and then do an application for an award if members of the community want that. Residents of Dipslet is expected to protest outside the court building. This week, five children were killed in Gauteng and Limpopo. Lila Magnus, SABC, Pretoria. And uh, we stay with this story and uh, we welcome Lila Magnus on the line. Lila, you are uh, in court in Pretoria right now at uh, Pretoria Magistrates Court inside the courtroom. What can you tell us? Well, the four men appeared briefly in court. We know now that three of the men are from Mozambique and one of the men are South, uh, South African. I cannot tell you their names at the moment because they've not pleaded on the rape charge yet and the law dictates that you can only reveal the identities after they pleaded on a charge like that. Um, one of the men wore a surgical mask in court and all four of them looked a little flabbergasted. Uh, there were lots of family members supporting them inside court today, but there were no members of the community protesting outside court. And how are they related to the victims? Well, the accused at this stage, it is unclear how they were related to the victims. We know that all the accused lived in the same um, compound with the fifth accused, but it is unclear how they were related. The police did say that once the fifth accused has been um, joined to this group, which would happen next week, then some of the charges that these four men face might change. And uh, are they remanded in custody? Yes, the men are remanded in custody. They did not ask to appeal. Um, they did not ask to be released on bail. Uh, they all asked to be represented by the legal aid board. As you know, there's a lot of unhappiness and protests in Detroit itself, where the community is barricading the police station. Some of the schools um, have let the school children go out um, to protest with the community, and they're being led by their teachers. And the community is really buying for blood for these men. So I don't know if they will ask to be released on bail later on. But, but broadly, just the, the, the proceedings in court today, can you talk us through that? Yes, well, they came into court. The charges were read to them. They were asked if they understood the charges. The magistrate made sure to, to inform them that the charges they are facing is scheduled six charges. So if they found guilty, they are facing a life imprisonment. And then the, the magistrate again asked them, you know, how would you like to be represented? Do you want to get your own attorney? Do you want to represent yourself? Or do you want uh, legal aid to give you an attorney? And they all indicated 
that they want legal aid to give them an attorney. And then the state advocate, Matrix Lepondi, said, well, they want the case to be remanded so that the fifth suspect can appear in court on Monday and they can bring the group together on Thursday so that they, from there on there's only this one group that they are going to deal with. And the case was they remanded and they're staying in custody. And, and their appearance, can you describe it for us, please, their demeanor, so to speak? Did they appear aware of what is going on? Are they, are they in control or really were they shaken? Uh, like I said in the beginning, they appeared a little bit flabbergasted, like they were not really understanding what's going on. The court actually had to adjourn to get a Sangan interpreter for the men. And um, the, as the interpretation went along, they listened to the interpreter, but I got the impression that they were a bit dazed and confused and they didn't really understand what was going on. Thank you very much, Alila Mahnas, our reporter inside the Pretoria Magistrates Court. Let's go outside now and say good afternoon to Spiwe Mkize. Spiwe, what can you tell us uh, they, uh, about the situation outside the courtroom? Well, it was very quiet uh, this morning uh, outside the Pretoria Magistrates Court, Bongi. We've seen uh, during the course of the week uh, protesters in deep Lourdes. The community is, is very angry there. And we were expecting that they could be uh, here outside the court. But uh, they were, but as we know, they are currently uh, protesting there in, in their township. So here it is uh, business as usual. It's very quiet. And I would assume that maybe during the next court appearance of these uh, suspects, that's when we might uh, see them coming here outside the, uh, the court to protest. No, no prominent uh, personalities there today? No, the only people who are here is uh, the uh, people who are against. It's a group that is against the abuse of children. And I managed to speak to one of uh, the leaders there from the organization called uh, Women and Men Against uh, Child Abuse. Uh, and then she indicated that uh, while we've seen that uh, five suspects have been arrested, she would caution that people must not be too too uh, excited and celebrate because she feels that it's too soon for uh, celebrations because uh, we've seen in the past people uh, would be arrested and then uh, because of uh, technicalities they would uh, be set free. She she says that she hopes though that uh, the situation, the, the arrest of these uh, five uh, suspects is not influenced by the current situation that we're seeing uh, in Deep Sword and also she feels that uh, we would rather uh, wait for forensic uh, investigations to be concluded first. Thank you very much, SPM our reporter in Pretoria. 16 minutes past 12. We go to Limpopo now, where security is tight in and around the troubled Malamlele area in Limpopo. This is thousands of uh, residents are expected to meet at a local stadium to discuss their demand, uh, that uh, of their own municipality. Residents are calling on President Jacob Zuma to address them. However, police say they won't allow public gatherings in the area. Government offices and businesses were burnt down uh, during the protest which started on Monday. For more on this now, we are on the line to the spokesperson of the Malamlele Demarcation Task Team, Dr. Uh, Isaiah Ndambi. Dr. Ndambi, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Right, let, let, let's start by maybe you helping us understand the latest situation right now. You were to, to march and gather at a, at a local stadium there. Is that happening? And the police have said, no, you can't, and they, you don't have uh, permission to do so. Yes, it is, it, is, it is true. We 
it, it was planned that we would, would 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 have a meeting this 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 morning to discuss the way forward. But it was it was it was depending on the uh, response from the state president. The, we wrote a letter to the state president requesting him to come down here and calm the situation. And unfortunately, he has not replied to tell us whether he's coming or not coming. So well, we decided this morning that we should um, perform the meeting. Okay. Fortunately, unfortunately, uh, the police also also were saying no, no gatherings will be accepted without permission. I'm trying to understand why write to uh, President Jacob Zuma, number one, and uh, even organize this meeting, hoping that uh, he will come when we have not heard from his office. That's number one. But when you have uh, the Premier, uh, who has uh, come down there and, and, and spoken to, to your task team, and also spoken to the demarcation board, yourselves have spoken to the demarcation board, what were you hoping to achieve with writing to the President? In fact, in fact, the, 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 the logical uh, issue is that the premier is now the leader of of the team in negotiating for for the the municipal status. But then the people themselves is said, if you are not going the way we want, then we are going to the rioters and all of the and, and we said fine because you are the people who want that. Right, the letter can be written there, but we actually said to them, it, it may not be very easy to get this president who is, who is, who is very busy in the to come down for an issue like this. Alright, so, so what happens in the meantime? In the, in, in the meantime, the, the, well, the police are patrolling all over the show, and we, we made, we came to our local radio here and announced that the meeting is suspended, and um, the people are not actually here, except the criminal element that will move around here and start burning cars in the street. But otherwise, the place is cool. All right, uh, but uh, also broadly, what happens with your with uh, with your demands right now? Are you going to put everything on hold and and hope that uh, uh, the president will eventually address you, or, or the premier, uh, and also the, the the riots and the volatile situation that uh, we've been seeing there? What is going to happen? The, the logical sequence is that the, the, the premier of the Pompo has said to us we need to keep calm as, as the negotiations go on forward with the, with the democratic board. So the leader now, towards the conclusion of the whole argument, is, is, is the premier. All right. Thank you very much, Isaiah Ndambi, who is uh, the uh, spokesperson uh, for the Malamulele Demarcation Task Team. It's 20 minutes past 12. Our top story this hour, police have confirmed that the fifth suspect in the murder case of two deep-slot toddlers has confessed to their murder, including that of a five-year-old girl who was found murdered last month. Looking at the markets, uh, gold is trading at $1,317.74 an ounce, platinum at $1,434.35 an ounce, the rand is trading at 9 rand. 82 cents against the US dollar. It's at 15 rand 89 to the pound and it's sitting at 13 rand 44 cents to the euro. Books and stories. Words and language. Reading, writing and reflections. All on SAFM Literature with me, Nancy Richards. 
Every Sunday on SAFM between 1 and 4. Make it a date. On SAFM Sports Special this weekend, it's Curry Cup semi-final time and we'll cross live to the clash between Western Province and the Lions at Newlands as well as the match between the Sharks and the Cheetahs. It's Telcom Knockout quarter-final weekend and on Saturday we'll feature Super Sports Unites against Morocco Swallows. Kick-off in that one is at 3 and on Sunday we'll keep you up to date in the clash between Free State Stars and Kaiser Chiefs. The English Premiership resumes after the international break and we'll keep you updated on the latest golfing action from around the globe. We'll also chat to a lady from Cape Town who concludes a mammoth six-month, 5,000-kilometer solo walk through nine provinces for nine causes. Be sure to listen to SAFM Sports Special with myself, Brad Brown, to find out why. This Saturday and Sunday, only on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Uh, 22 minutes past 12. This is uh, Midday Live SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Let's see if we can get uh, one or two of your SMSs here. Mr. Shiloh must join uh, EFF as well. Uh, all Ward 93 former members of COPE uh, did Mzugisi Ekailicha there. And this one says, at Malamlela, we don't need any service delivery or protection. We want the state to give us food hampers, T-shirts, blankets and bras for our votes in uh, 2014, says William Maseko there, finding it funny, the situation in uh, Malamlel. All right, uh, non-profit organizations uh, have marched to the Trade and Industry Department in Pretoria to challenge the pharmaceutical patent laws and policies. They want government to review the current intellectual property laws on uh, medical products. The DTI has uh, recently published the amended version of the law, and yesterday was the last day for public comment. The health activists are calling on the department to tighten the laws when it comes to giving pharmaceutical companies patents. And, uh, of course, uh, yesterday we spoke to Umenyani Rujeje, an attorney at Section 27, and this is what she has to say. Pharmaceutical companies that invent drugs are able to have a 20-year monopoly in the country, um, which means that there is no generic competition in that country, which essentially with any monopoly, the prices remain high. Um, So what we're saying is that there is a great opportunity for the DTI at this stage to take advantage of the flexibilities in international law that provide for any country to take steps to protect the public health of its population. Even where um, there's an opportunity for a generic com- uh, company to come into South Africa, there are often barriers related to the patent. Um, so in our submissions, for example, we talk about introducing a research exception. And uh, let's welcome now Val Beaumont, who is uh, the Chief Operating Officer at the Innovative Pharmaceutical Association of South Africa. Uh, Val, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Bangi. What what can you tell us about, uh, first uh, and foremost, uh, the the, the patent laws here in South Africa, the intellectual property laws when it comes to uh, medical products? I think, um, first of all, the, the subject on the, that's up for discussion at the moment is actually an intellectual property policy document. The government is framing an intellectual policy um, that we haven't had one before, so it's to put intellectual property policy in place. And from this, there will be amendments to laws, but we're not at the lawmaking stage yet. I think what we see within this policy, there's a large number of proposals. A lot of them are linked to health. 
But a lot of the proposals that are made are already provided for in our legislation, um, some of them in the Medicines Act, some of them in the Patent Act. Mm. But when it comes to uh, pharmaceuticals, for instance, there's a a complaint that you get uh, patents for for 20 years and really that uh, closes uh, any opportunity for any new entrance, for instance, in a specific uh, medicine because uh, you've got a 20-year patent and that uh, then is a problem for, for people to access medicine. Bangi, let me put the 20-year patent period into context. Any product or service um, or movies or anything like that that is patented gets a 20-year patent. This 20-year patent period is a worldwide thing, and it's driven by something called the TRIPS agreement. So the 20 years is not unusual. It applies to everybody. But in fact, with medicines, we get a much shorter period of protection because a lot of that time during which we're protected by patents is goes into the research and development of the medicine. So I, I don't think that the statement that's being made there is entirely true or correct. I guess also what is being challenged here is the issue of flexibility. Uh, that uh, the, the 20 years, yes, you say that maybe four or five years will be uh, towards research and you only have 15 years. Uh, but uh, in the 15 years, a new drug uh, could have been discovered that would have, uh, you know, allowed in the market. But because of this uh, patent of 20 years, then it, it can't go through, is, is what I'm asking. Bangi, there's nothing really in the patent law that stops new products coming to market. And in fact, it's very important that we realize that any new medicine after it's had its period of protection, becomes a generic medicine. And there's a constant evolution of new products coming into the market, new discoveries being made, and then becoming generic medicines. So I think the the case that's being framed is not not totally correct. And uh, let's look at uh, the the claims uh, that... uh uh, South Africa, for instance, and uh, the, the, the patent section is, is weak, such that uh, uh, patents that are, are not allowed in other countries, developed countries, are, are then dumped here, and uh, we just go ahead, they fall through the crack and cracks, and, uh, and uh, there you go, they are uh, on the market. What do you make of that? The system in South Africa does allow for people to um, deposit patent applications without them being assessed, but it nonetheless requires that any patent application that goes in meets certain very rigorous standards. So basically what the what the policy document is calling for is that there is a proper search and examination procedure to look at patents coming into the country. And we would support that. And in fact for for our medicines, most of our medicines have been approved by jurisdictions in different parts of the world that in fact apply that standard. So we wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Um, We think it would be good and what would be be important to look at is to make sure that such a system was efficient so that that system in itself didn't become a barrier to either local products or medicines or anything else um, Mm. from getting registered. And another serious claim here is uh, that uh, pharmaceutical companies get uh, multiple patents on, uh, on the same medicine by making just uh, small changes, even when uh, such changes have no benefit for, for, for patients. What do you make of that? I think you're referring to the recommendation in the policy document to exclude new uses of known products. And we know that 45% of all innovation is about improving either goods or services. Uh, it's very important that we realize that innovation is cumulative. We constantly learn new things about medicines, and our patent provisions do not allow any patents to be granted where there is not 
a definite um, set of innovation. So we believe that an IP framework must take account of this. And I think a perfect example is the flu vaccine, where each and every year a new flu vaccine has to be produced to meet new needs. And what do you make uh, quickly of uh, Section 27 Treatment Action Campaign and uh, Doctors Without Borders challenge of uh, the draft intellectual property law, particularly on the patents? The, again, it's, it's about an intellectual po- policy framework that addresses way more than patents. It, it will ultimately affect the entire business community and any business that relies on, on, on patents and on any intellectual property, including sort of copyright and trademarks. I think the debate has been framed very particularly as a health-related debate, but our position is that there are many more aspects related to access to quality health care and to medicines than just the IP debate. Thank you very much, Val Beaumont, who is uh, the Chief Operating Officer at uh, Innovative Pharmaceutical Association of South Africa. 12.30 now, time for the news headlines. It's uh, 29 to 1, and uh, let's say good afternoon to Shadow Twala. How are you doing, Shadow? Back in Cape Town. You managed, eh? I did, I did. I had a night last night. <laughs> I thought you wouldn't make it to the airport in the morning. No, it's gorgeous. I... I, I Got on my train. Done with a television project now, or is, is there? I'm a done. I'm bit? done. I'm done, and uh, it's now back to hard work on otherwise. And today we speak with Princess Zinzin Songo, who started a a space for experimental uh, theatre called the Platform. And I speak with Zimkita Kumbaka, who is the writer and director, and she's got a play on that is called She Bellows. The Adventures of the Ordinary Idealistic Woman Scorned. And, of course, there's a new thing in town which is called Chocolate Literature. It's chocolate. And we'll talk about those books and what they are and maybe even give some away. That's the show. South Africa's population could rise to 68 million by the year 2030, which is uh, far more than uh, the 58 million people forecast in the National Development Plan. This is according to research compiled by the Institute for Security Studies, which is also supported by the Hans Seidel Foundation. According to Jonathan Moyer of uh, the Joseph Corbell School, population projections are important as they have direct implications on infrastructure development, access to public services and security. For more on this now, we're joined on the line by the Director of uh, the Institute of Security Studies, Yakisilias. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Good to be talking to you as well. Let, let, let's talk about uh, this report and uh, uh, under-forecasting, as it were, by the NDP, uh, by over 10 million people. Really, this, this must be troubling you. Yes, um, well, uh, we had the advantage that we could use the uh, 2011 census results. The National Development Plan uh, had to use, I think, the 2001 uh, uh, census results. So we had the advantage of being able to use more recent data to do the forecast. So that is the one reason for the difference in the, the anticipated difference in the size of the South African population. The other reason is that uh, the NDP has uh, forecast both in the assumption that uh, migration, inward migration in South Africa would uh, decline. And we believe that will not be the case, that in actual fact uh, 
uh, Africans, particularly from Southern Africa, will continue to come to South Africa more or less at the same rate that they have been coming to. And the result of those two big differences is that we believe that most likely South Africa will have about uh, 66.4 million people by 2030, while the most likely uh, scenario of the National Development Plan was about 58.5 million people, so about 8 million people difference. Mm. And uh, and what is the meaning of that, of the 8 million people extra? We've uh, budgeted and uh, allocated uh, everything based on the 2001 census, which gave us 58 million people by 2030. Now we hear uh, 8 million more. So what is the meaning of that? Well, it firstly means that uh, our economy will be larger. More people produce more goods, um, and uh, it will grow our economy. However... Uh, the GDP per person, the average wealth of the individual South African, will probably decline a little bit. Uh, that is also our uh, our analysis. Um, but uh, these population, so, so it has an implication across everything. The number of schools you build, um, the infrastructure you invest in, the planning you have to do on every sector of our society. So uh, doing a forecast uh, is, is important for national government, provincial and local government so that they know where to plan for inter- and how to plan for roads, etc. So, so it's very important. But it's also important to understand that uh, we have also done a forecast of the population in the various provinces. Um, and, um, uh, for example, we are also saying that a province like Gauteng and the Western Cape, which traditionally get many, traditionally draw more, more people, will have each of them uh, considerably more people than, than I think the National Development Plan originally thought. So it also has implications, of course, at, at that level. And, uh, of course, this must be putting a lot of pressure on government now to provide these services for the extra 8 million people by 2030. So the, the whole NDP really will need to, to, to change and be re, redesigned. Does that mean uh, that uh, we have to get back to, to the drawing board? No, it doesn't really mean that. You know, the, the National Development Plan, like all planning, all planning for the future, is an iterative process. It, uh, you plan and you replan and you replan as additional information comes, uh, comes to hand. So this doesn't detract from uh, the quality of work that was done in the National Development Plan at all. It hopefully updates uh, our ability to do forecasting, and it underlines the importance of us uh, redoing and revisiting our planning assumptions but, uh, I mean, we were, for example, at the Gauteng Provincial uh, Government uh, the day before yesterday discussing with them, or yesterday, discussing with them our, our, our population forecast, and they were saying, well, this is important uh, because this allows us to perhaps plan more accurately uh, for the future. So uh, it, it doesn't uh, negate the National Development Plan. It probably underlines the importance of the National Development Plan, if anything. Thank you very much to Yaki Silius. He is uh, the director of the Institute of Security Studies. The opposition to Urban Tolling Alliance has announced that it will not appeal the judgment of the Supreme Court of Appeal in Bloemfontein in the e-tolling case. The e-tolling system on Gauteng's highways is due to be introduced before the end of the year. Let's talk now to Wayne Duvenage, who is uh, from the opposition to Urban Tolling. Mr. Duvenage, good afternoon to you. Is this the end of the road for you and uh, challenging uh, this uh, e-tolling? Tolling, uh, on Houting uh, freeways? Uh, no, not at all. It's by far a long way uh, from being over. It's the end of one chapter in, in Arthur's uh, strategy or challenge. Uh, that was the legal one. We, we first of all don't have the money to continue challenging us. Secondly, we see that uh, the courts 
are um, leaning on technicalities in order to not tackle the real issue of the lawfulness of tolling. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we sort of understand what might be the outcome in the constitutional court. And without funds, our, our juveniles to move out into a new space, a space where we coordinate the efforts of society, where we empower motorists with the knowledge of what they can do to exercise civil courage and stopping tolling in the long run. But what is your next step right now? Well, first of all, ARSA had to reconstitute itself. It was constituted to tackle a legal challenge. It now needs to move into a new space on a different playing field, much like uh, organizations like Section 27 and so forth. It needs to fund itself and it needs to um, give rise to uh, an entity that's going to have the resources to empower people with the knowledge. For instance, a lot of people want to know what their rights are. What happens if I don't get an e-take? We also need to ensure that the first court case that is brought against, uh, by Samuel against the public for not paying their bills will have all the information to use the, to use the, uh, outer's, um, legal challenge as a collateral challenge, uh, into, into those challenges. So the legal battles are not over. They're just going to move into the criminal procedure space as opposed to relying on this whole administrative law, uh, space where the courts just keep going about. Wayne Duvenage, thank you very much. Uh, he is uh, with uh, the Opposition to Urban Tolling Alliance outer at 20 minutes to 1. Seychelles has joined the East 3 Route Initiative. The route was created as a vehicle for cross-border development between Mozambique, Swaziland and South Africa, aimed at ensuring economic growth and job creation for all three countries. I asked the MEC for Economic Development and Tourism in KwaZulu-Natal, Mike Mabuyakulu, to unpack this initiative, but first uh, just to give us the background to it. It actually emanates from way back in 1998 when the heads of state in the Republic of South Africa, led by President Nelson Mandela Van, as well as the head of state in the Republic of Mozambique, led by President Joachim Chesano at that time, as well as His Majesty the King, Mswati III, um, the head of state in Swaziland, agreed that we needed to be able to uh, have an agreement to improve uh, economic development, but that tourism was going to become the catchphrase among these two countries to grow and to develop the countries and also to deal with the scourge of poverty and unemployment. And we met then in 2011 to, as the ministers of tourism with ministers of tourism in Swaziland and Mozambique, and we agreed it was high time that we were able to actually establish a route like this and that we would then give this route an impetus in focusing on matters of trade, in promoting cultural exchange and heritage, but also in growing tourism among these countries, but that would also use the eastern routes to focus on issues of infrastructure development as well as investment in the private sector, but that we'd be using once they see growth in the tourism, we'll then be promoting trade between these countries. So that we are able to touch the lives of ordinary people, but at the same time be able to grow the economies and ensure that there's development taking place in our respective countries. What have been the commonalities and, and synergies that, that you find, but also the issues that uh, have been uh, uh, far apart from each other that you feel now you need to pull together so that uh, you realize uh, this uh, poverty and unemployment eradication? We eventually realized that uh, the issues of infrastructure development between these countries is uneven. And as a result of this, part of what we are doing along this route it ensures that we do talk as governments about how we can enhance and improve the infrastructure that would actually be suitable 
to attract prospective investors along this route, but also ensuring that it makes it easier for the movement of people and thus increasing the numbers of tourists that come into our respective countries. The second element, of course, which is common amongst all of us, is in the level of poverty. And we have done just a report that was presented at the investment conference uh, in Southland on Wednesday. And that report indicates, for instance, that the levels of poverty in Mozambique as well as in Southland, they, all of them are in excess of 80%, whereas in South Africa we've got the levels of poverty stay at around about 36%. So clearly we see that there are huge levels of poverty. So we need all of us to ensure that there is huge investment so that those investments can translate into employment. It can actually be able to deal with the scourge of poverty but also the issue of, of, of inequality. And, uh, MEC, really, this is, it sounds like a cross-border development uh, between these countries, but uh, uh, can we then see South Africa as the biggest economy, even in Africa, uh, of the three countries, investing more in Mozambique and Swaziland so that we see our uh, young entrepreneurs going there and investing, seeing governments also investing a lot of money there so that we have uh, our own uh, interests in these countries? We definitely have said it is in our interest that uh, we are able to participate in the reconstruction, the growth and development of our respective countries. And for that to happen, it requires us to marshal everybody. That is the reason why in this experiment we take business along. That's why for the last two years we now have had a special focus on investment. And uh, that's uh, Mike Mabuyakulu, MEC for Economic Development and Tourism. And uh, with that, we give you your lunchtime market updates. We say good afternoon to Prandana Naidu of Sasfin Securities. Prandana, how are the markets looking going into the weekend? Hi, Bongi. Well, after a stressful week, global markets are calmer and European stocks have been rising on positive economic data from China. Chinese GDP increased 7.8% for the third quarter, mainly on Premier Li's efforts to spur factory output and investments in order to meet the country's expansion goals for 2013. Looking at the U.S., the S&P 500 closed at a record high last night as investor confidence grew following the last-minute deal that was made by Congress. Bongi, it's interesting to note that given the expected loss in economic growth caused by the lengthy delay in finding a solution, investors now believe the Fed will have no choice but to leave its fiscal stimulus measures in place for several more months, which could support stock markets throughout the rest of the year. Taking a look at the U.S. futures, we can expect the market to open positive later on today. Closer to home, the JSE is trading up close to 0.3%. Diversified miner Anglo-American and its subsidiaries reported third-quarter results. Kumba Iron Ore's total production decreased by 24% compared to the previous year, impacted by ongoing pit constraints at its Zishan mine. Taking a look at the local indices, we've got the gold index up 1%, resources 10 index up 0.6%, the industrial 25 index is flat, and the financials index is up 0.4%. Overall, the market is up 100 points to 44,610. Stocks on the move today. Life Healthcare up 3% to 39 Rand and 60 cents. Redefine up 2.3% to 10 Rand and 20 cents. And Lonman up 2.2% to 51 Rand and 50 cents. On the downside, we've got Kumba Iron Ore down 6.5% to 443 Rand and 50 cents. Exaro down 2.8% to 156 Rand. And MTN down 2% to 199 Rand and 50 cents. And your latest market indicators. Gold is currently $1,321 an ounce. 
Platinum $1,438 an ounce, and Brent crude $108.50 per barrel. And finally, the rand is trading stronger at 9 rand 78 to the dollar, 15 rand 86 to the pound, and 13 rand 40 to the euro. Thank you very much, uh, Pramdana Naidu with uh, Saswin Securities. Right at uh, that time of uh, the day when we look ahead to the world of sport and uh, we say good afternoon to Miss uh, Janet Whitten. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. And you? I'm all right, I'm all right. Where, where do you want to start? Shall we start with swimming? Uh, we're just making a point right now that <laughs> no one is excited about this swimming yet. We are bagging goals like nobody's business. You know, the problem with the World Cups is that a lot of the big names um, in international swimming, particularly the Americans and the Australians, don't really compete in these World Cups. Mm. So um, some of the competition is not absolutely fabulous. But that doesn't say that the performances aren't because Chad Leclerc broke the 200 uh, the 100 butterfly 200 butterfly the 200 butterfly world record in um, at the World Cup in Amsterdam in uh, August and he came yesterday within three hundredths of a second of that record again so he's swimming fabulously absolutely amazing and Roland Skuman I mean Roland Skuman is nearly as old as I am I mean hello and he beat Chad Leclerc hello (laughs) that was a nice one too I must tell you but yeah Roland is back He's, he's swimming so well. I mean, really, is it? It's, it's great to see him back. And people should watch this event. It is actually on TV because he also, he's also been winning all the 50 breaststroke. I bet there are a lot of people who didn't even that. know he could swim breaststroke. That, that's what I was asking. Why are we not excited yeah. as the nation? But also Miles is uh, it's really turning M- things around. And Miles Brown is a long-distance freestyler, um, and he really has huge potentials. He's won a couple of events in the World Cup so far, um, and, he, and he's swimming against some really good people. It's one of the events where there is actually some quite decent competition um, and he's doing very well so yes uh, look ahead at Rio it's looking quite good with swimming alright uh, and uh, soccer let's start with uh, the, the local football is back by the way so what can you tell us about that Local football, it's Telcom knockout quarterfinal weekend. Three of the matches taking place this weekend. Tomorrow, Supersport United against Morocco Swallows. Uh, that could be the game of the weekend, actually. I think that could be quite an interesting one. Tomorrow evening, Platinum Stars play Sundowns, and then on Sunday, it's Free State Stars against Kaiser Chiefs. There is one match that has been held over till Wednesday, of course, because that's because Pirates are involved. They're playing against Golden Arrows, and of course, they're still in Tunisia. Talking about uh, Esperance and uh, Orlando Pirates, first I, I saw a headline that said Rude is back, something like that, talking to Pirates. I haven't read that story. Didn't really? See it. I didn't say no. I didn't see it. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll go and have, I'll go and have a look, look out for it. What, so, so Rude is back before Roger's gone. Is that the way it works? <laughs> it's Pirates for you. Yeah, okay, they're, they're they're are they going to win? By the way, uh, they have to. You see, all the pressure is on uh, Esperance right now because. Mm. Any goal draw is not good for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Pirates just need to score. They need to get that early goal in, and then that puts pressure on Esperanza and makes things interesting. A a goal draw is good for Pirates. All right, so they're playing this uh, tonight. Is it tonight? Uh, Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow, 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Yes, and it will be live on SABC1. All right, we're done with soccer. Let's move now to... Cricket really I want to put last. He's avoiding talking. <laughs> He's avoiding <laughs> talking about rugby. <laughs> no, you, you're avoiding. Are you worried about the cheating? Is that it? All right, let's go to rugby. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to rugby. I can tell you. Okay, the the, pi- the the final has been confirmed as far as I'm concerned because it's gonna be. It's it has to be the sharks here. It's gonna be the sharks. I, I really, uh, my my heart tells me that it's the lions, but the, my head really says it's the Western Province. 
Keep trying to persuade yourself. I'm listening. I'm okay. listening. I'm listening. Talk about the first speaker. match tomorrow night is Western Province against the Lions. You know, knockout games are funny because all the again you were talking about pressure when you were talking about Esperance and Western Province are in exactly the same position. Mm. They're top of the log. They, I mean, they, they on yeah, paper yeah. they look so much better than the Lions. Mm. The Lions have got nothing to lose, and the Lions play. Some would call it risky rugby, but it also is a, is is the kind of risky rugby that can come with great reward. Exactly. Um, so they're Aside a dangerous team to they're a dangerous team to come up against. Western Province have named a very strong team. They've got a very strong bench, which they have named with particular foresight to this match and what they perceive as strong line second half performances. So that match could be very interesting. Um, the five o'clock game is the Sharks against the Cheetahs. Ach, the Sharks were a bit iffy last couple of weeks, but I must admit I'm not going to. I'm just Pulling your leg. I really do think they are going to win, yes. And then there is one international tomorrow, by the way, the Bledisloe Cup, the third of the internationals between Australia and New Zealand. That's at 8.30 tomorrow morning. All right, so I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to give you a minute and uh, 30 seconds for you to talk Talk about about cricket. cricket. Yeah, (laughs) take your time. Well, I can just be quiet and say nothing at all because I there's actually so, not a lot to say about that performance in that match. In the problem, the problem with that performance, um, which was pretty awful, and Graham Smith is, is refusing to blame it on their lack of preparation, which I find quite interesting because I think they looked very he short of match practice. Blame it on his own lack of preparation. Yeah, his own his own performance. Exactly. Yes, that's another story. But the problem, the, the second test starts in Dubai on Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. and we're without Hashim Amla. So take Hashim Amla's first inning score out of that match, and then where are we? So they've got some serious work that needs to be done. They're actually still in um, Abu Dhabi today, and then they, they travel through to Dubai tomorrow. And I hope they the optional practice, I hope optional has been taken out of that practice. But the other issue as far as cricket is concerned is, um, we should just alert everybody, is there is an ITC meeting taking place in London today. It's not part of the official agenda, but during this meeting sometime over the next two days, Chris Nenzani, the president of Cricket South Africa, will be meeting with his counterpart from the BCCI to try and resolve the issue over the India tour. Now, the last we heard, and it hasn't been confirmed, was that CSA had offered to put... Haran Logat on long leave um, for the duration because of the, the India Indians tour because so? the Indians say so. I have, I mean, I, I hope they haven't cowed out to India to, to that much. But apparently, if they do that, um, then India will definitely come. They will play three tests instead of two. They'll stay for the New Year's test, which at the moment is not on the fixture list that India are offering. So right. it's quite it's quite complicated. But I hope that I- that India don't have that kind of control over what goes on in the rest of the world. That would just be outrageous. Thank you, Janet. We'll see you on Monday. Goodbye. Okay,